We have about 54 people now, and uh, and I think 15 of them or so are from Westcon. Um, and uh, you know, kind of shameless plug for the university. We we just we love hiring people from Westcon. <laughs> Welcome to WCSU 411, a podcast about interesting people and achievements at Western Connecticut State University. I'm Paul Steinmetz, and we are recording on the Midtown campus in the basement of White Hall. Today we have an interview with Scott Brungis, a WestCon alum who has become a very successful businessman, and he gives much of the credit for his ability to accomplish big things to his time at this university. After the interview, Barbara Viegas will talk about the campus events that are coming up in the next week or two and in the next semester because we're taking a holiday break, a winter break. But first, let's talk with Scott Brungis. Thanks for being here, Scott, and joining us on WCSU 411. Oh, it's definitely a pleasure. Now, I'd like to start out uh, by pointing out that your wife, Tracy, does another podcast here at the university, along with our great professor, Dr. Chris Cook. And as I understand it, their venture started because of you. You wanted to take her out to see, you came home late one day and, or after work one day and said, hey, let's go see Chris Cook give a lecture. And she said, why would I do that? Who's Chris Cook? And... Um, you talked, you persisted, you uh, talked her into it. And after you got home, she was excited about what he said about compassion and um, was wondering about what she could do along those lines. And you said, hey, why don't, we, why don't you do a podcast? And that turned into the Compassionate Achiever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh, pretty close to the way this, I recall the story. Um, yeah, I... Uh, I'm a podcast fan, and uh, you know his book, Compassionate Achiever, is pretty. Uh, it's I think it's just what he's captured in that book is pretty incredible uh, and uh, empowering. Um, and yeah, she was very jazzed up by it, and you know she wanted to get involved, and so we were talking about different ideas, and uh, so podcasts are near and dear to my heart and I suggested that and then they were off to the races and yeah so they're doing very well with it and uh, she just loves doing it and Chris is an incredible guy mm -hmm. um, so yeah, yeah it's I, a very popular <laughs> podcast and probably even takes some of our listeners away from that <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a zero-sum game oh, okay <laughs> So you've been involved in the whole uh, radio technology and now podcast kind of thing for a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I either wanted to be uh, an airline pilot or a disc jockey. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I um, went to Westcon and studied radio and worked at uh, the college radio station WXCI. And uh, that was just in a, an incredible experience. It was literally a dream come true for somebody who dreamt of being on the air and being in radio. So <clears throat> it was uh, a great kind of gateway to uh, where my career has led me. Mm -hmm. And what did you, why did you want to become a um, disc jockey? Uh, I think it all kind of starts with, you know, dreaming as a kid. You know, I used to, I grew up on Long Island and listened to WABC radio and uh, just always liked Harry Harrison and you know, all those guys that mm -hmm. were on the radio there. 
and uh, we were on the approach path to Kennedy Airport so the jets would fly over. So those were kind of my two, you know, dreams as a kid. Yeah. Did you come to this area before you, uh, while you were still in high school, or did you find out about Westcon while you were at Long Island? Uh, no, we moved up when I was 12 to Brookfield. Oh, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> So you've told me in the past that really the uh, experience with your ra- with the radio station, WXCI, and everything that went around with it was really more um, important to your education than the classroom work. Uh, I would say it was more uh, practical. Um, you know, the, the curriculum was terrific here, and it really taught me everything that I needed to know, but... Uh, working at the radio station was kind of my opportunity to do everything that I wanted to know. Mm -hmm. And so I think the combination of the two was great. Uh, But, um, you know, excuse me, working at the radio station, uh, you know, we were a club on campus, but to the power company and to the, uh, you know, the transmitting tower company that we leased space from, you know, we weren't just a club, we were a business. And uh, so we tried to look at it that way and we took it very seriously. We had to pay our bills and we, you know, we had commitments to make in terms of filling the air schedule and everything. So it was just a, a wonderful, amazing experience. Hugh mm-hmm. McCarney was the uh, uh, professor that was the advisor and he, uh, he was just brilliant in his kind of soft touch and, uh, you know, just kind of keeping an eye on us, but letting us make our many mistakes. I've talked to a lot of other people who went through XCI, WXCI, and they have the same kind of memories of it. They just loved it, and it was really consumed them in their during their college career, really. Yeah, yeah. So you graduated from uh, Westcon, and then what did you do? I graduated in 85 with a degree communication media arts and and then I went into radio and uh, worked at um, WINE radio. Actually, I worked there part time during uh, college, also at Danbury Airport. So I was kind of doing both of my passions. Um, And, uh, you know, the ironic thing is that, excuse me, as much as I wanted to be on the air, when I finally started doing it kind of on a, on a more permanent basis, I didn't really like it. Um, it was, you're talking to thousands of people and yet you're really only talking to yourself. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of lonely and I like to be in more interactive with people. Uh, so then I got into sales at, uh, I-95 radio, which is WRKI, the sister station. And, um, and I also didn't think that I had the talent on air to really kind of uh, build a life for myself. Um, a lot of times you have to jump from one station to another to kind of build up, and I didn't really want to do that. So got into sales, did that for about 12 years, and uh, it was terrific. Um, I was still in radio. <clears throat> you know, radio people, I think, are a breed. Uh, and... Um, so I actually met my uh, my wife there. Um, she was in promotions, and uh, so uh, did that for 12 years and uh, worked my way up into management. Uh, new ownership came in, 
And I was one of two managers for a group of stations, and they said, hey, you did a great job, but yeah, we don't really want you anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that's when I started Media Associates. And did you, was that, uh, do I remember correctly, you started Media Associates in your house? I did, yep, in a little room off our bedroom, uh, off the dining room, Uh yep. And explain what Media Associates does or did at that time anyway. So we basically, what I did was I moved from one side of the desk to the other. So when I was in radio sales and sales management, uh, you know, we were selling radio. And then, uh, so Media Associates is a media buying agency. So uh, we represent clients and we help them to uh, determine which media are best going to reach their target audiences, so whether it's radio or uh, newspaper, uh, cable TV. You know, the internet didn't exist 21 years ago when I started the company. Um, and and then we negotiate the deals and we try to, you know, measure the impact that uh, the advertising has have as best we can. There must have been other companies doing that kind of thing, right? Uh, there were, yep. Uh-huh. And um, so my... Uh, my whole approach with starting the business was um, I knew if I worked until midnight every night, the business would grow more than if I knocked off every day at 6 p.m. But um, I wanted to, it was an experiment to me. And it was really an experiment to see if I could build a business that could grow and still be home with my family every night for dinner. Um, and, uh, and if I couldn't do it, I would just go get a job. So I knew I could go work anywhere or somewhere, um, but uh, thankfully it kind of worked out. I was not home every night for dinner, but uh, right. you know that, that's always been my priority. And having that background it, from the other side in radio <laughs> must have been very valuable. I mean, that's basically what you sold, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, it was valuable. So both from a you know. Uh, knowing kind of what the tricks are and the, you know, the, you know, the way people will sell you something and really kind of seeing the, a clearer picture of what it is you're buying. You're buying exposure to an audience is really what you're getting. Um, and, uh, so, and the other, the other thing that was interesting is that, uh, with radio, you know, it's, it's so nebulous. It's, you're, you know, when I was in sales, we're selling air and time. I mean, there's two of the most nebulous things you could, you know, think of. And uh, so I was never really all that comfortable with, um, uh, you know, I'd walk into a client that we'd run a campaign and uh, a car dealership, let's say, and I'd say, so how did it go? You know, and they'd go, well, you know, we did okay, but I have no idea how the radio went. And so when I started Media Associates, I really made it uh, part of our whole mission as a company to, um, in any way possible, measure the impact that what we're doing is having on a business or a client's business. Um, and, uh, you know, doing that, I sleep better at night if I know that what we're doing is really helping to move the needle for a client. And the clients are happier because they, you know, they know that the money that they're investing through Media Associates on their behalf is actually helping them to grow. So, um, and that's, it's, that's why we we're strong in analytics. So we're media planning, buying and analytics is mm-hmm. kind of so how we So you've been doing that all uh, along. We've been doing it all along, but, uh, it's really over the last 
probably five to ten years that uh, <clears throat> you know with the advent of the internet um, and a lot of the uh, technological tools that we have now that uh, we didn't have uh, when I started the company that we're really able to kind of uh, get a lot of visibility into what the various components of a media plan are doing in terms of impact. So before we get into the internet, could you just quickly explain how you would measure or add um, how an ad did in radio, say, or even newspaper um, for a client? So it varies by uh, tactic. Um, so newspaper can be fairly straightforward. Well, I, I'll give you an example. Cessna Aircraft uh, was one of our clients. And uh, so they, um, we would do all of the media buying for uh, Cessna Citation jets. And uh, so we'd buy Flying Magazine and Plane and Pilot, and we'd buy, you know, magazines and uh and do internet with them around the world and um <clears throat> every ad that we ran in every publication had a unique web url and a unique toll-free number um so i'll give you an example uh we would run in forbes and fortune magazine so you know that's the kind of demographic that would buy a, a you know personal jet or a business jet and uh, <clears throat> all of our uh, kind of research planning tools uh, going in said that these are two magazines that we really need to be in to reach that target audience. And then we would run campaigns in them. But what we found was that uh, for whatever reason, Fortune performed in terms of the response, the measured response, four or five times better than Forbes did. And uh, so that, uh, that truer metric of measurement allowed us to optimize the campaign, not based on that kind of higher level research that said we needed to be in here, but based on the actual results that we were getting. Right, because people would call the number that you had made, set up specially for that ad. Yep, either, either call the number or they would go to you know, Forbes.Cessna.com mm -hmm. or Fortune.Cessna.com or, you know, whatever the unique URL was. Oh, that's great. And now it doesn't, mm -hmm. the internet in some ways makes it easier to uh, do those analytics, right? It does, yep. Uh, digital advertising is easier to measure than uh, kind of more uh, traditional type advertising. Um, but uh, the internet is making even traditional advertising easier to measure. So uh, an example there would be uh, Southern New Hampshire University, snhu.edu is one of our clients. You probably see their commercials. Uh, All the time. Yep, good. We like that. <clears throat> um, so the statistics are something like 84% of everybody that watches television watches TV with either a smartphone or a tablet in their hand. So, uh, so you're watching, you know, uh, whatever it is, Alaska Gold Rush, but you're kind of got your Facebook going or whatever. And so now there's a, a certain percentage of people who see commercials and then they take action on the message right then and there because they've got instant access to the internet. And so by correlating the, uh, the exact time that those commercials run, and the website activity for a client, we're actually able to, over time, um, start to see which networks are producing the greatest response, which 
creative, which times of day, which uh, programs, which days of the week, so on and so forth. Um, so it's it's pretty powerful how uh, you know a traditional medium like television is now we're all able able to measure it because uh, the majority of people really kind of take action on messages through the internet. That's fascinating and. Did you develop all those kinds of uh, parameters, or is it something that is in the industry, or how do you go about doing that? I'm not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> smart enough to, to, to know when it's a good opportunity for a client, but uh, uh, no, we use uh, third-party companies to, uh, you mm-hmm. know, to do all of that for us. Now, we manage it all in-house. We have an analytics group, and you know, their job is to you know, kind of glean these insights from all of this uh, kind of hardwired campaigns, but um, but we don't really kind of build it, build a code or anything like that. So uh, many, my one thought I had is that many businesses that have been established in the old media days uh, went out when the internet came in and kind of got full-fledged and uh, it just ruined a bunch of good industries. Mm-hmm. But you made that transition. Uh, we did. We, uh, you know, well, you know, it's one day a peacock, next day a feather duster, so you never really rest on your laurels. But, um, yeah, we're, uh, you know, I always think that where there's change, there's opportunity. And, you know, the media business is just the, the pace of change is accelerating. And uh, so we've, you know, we really make it our mission to uh, try to stay as up on change as possible because, um, I remember when uh, Google, before Google came along, one of the guys in the office said, hey, there's this uh, new thing called Googly or something. And it kind of made sense to us. And we got clients into it and we started doing it for ourselves. And, uh, you know, back before they were making any money, we were using them. And uh, so it's very important for us to kind of be students of all the change that's happening in the business. Do you stay up with all the social media and how to use that as advertising media too? Uh, I should answer that yes, but <laughs> uh, I personally don't. I mean, you know, I uh, we have a social media team at Media Associates, and they're incredible. Uh, but um, I just I can't keep up with it, honestly. Yeah. I didn't really mean you. I meant the company. You know, <laughs> yes. Because yep. uh, that's growing so fast. And all these new ideas keep coming out that seem to get hot. And then you, and then they tail off a little bit maybe. And you have to decide, I guess, how to um, deal with all those. But you do have some very uh, smart people working at that company. Thanks. Uh, we have about 54 people now. and uh, And I think... 15 of them or so are from Westcon. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of shameless plug for the university. We, we just, we love hiring people from Westcon. They come out, uh, you know, well-trained uh, in terms of, you know, their, uh, their area of study. And in my opinion, um, they have better work ethics, generally speaking, uh, than a lot of other students. And I think part of that is because you know, they had to work uh, while they went to school part-time or you know, a lot of times they'll have part-time jobs or you know, they didn't go to 
you know, much more expensive uh, Ivy League schools or whatever that uh, where their parents paid for everything. Um, and uh, we want that. We want people who are smart, uh, but who really work hard too. Mm-hmm. And how do you attract that? Um how do you attract that crew? And you know, there's you're close to, you're based in, uh, or your headquarters is in Newtown. Um, but how do you get that type of quality of um, employee? Um, you know, I think it's our culture. Uh, we really um, we spend a lot of time thinking about, uh, you know, how it should feel while people at work, and uh, and that's. Um, you know, there's a, a Peter Drucker, who's a business writer, saying that uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can have the, the best strategy in the world to grow your business, but if your culture stinks, you're not going to get anywhere. And um, so uh, we're very focused on that as kind of a, a primary mission. Um, so just uh, we have a list of probably about a half a dozen cultural tenants. Uh, so uh, things that we believe in as an organization uh, in terms of values and, uh, and from those values, uh, hopefully the behaviors will kind of flow. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, it's, I think, I think knock on wood, we've got a pretty decent culture at the company. Mm-hmm. And you've got um, mm-hmm. these... I've talked to some of your vice presidents, and I don't understand everything they say are right, but this sounds like they're, to me, like they're uh, going in the right direction at a very high level that uh, very few other people are thinking about, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got some incredibly smart people that I work with, um, people that hopefully they're not listening right now are a lot smarter than I am. <laughs> and um, uh, we rely on that. Um, you know, I think, you know, we just hired a a president, uh, and, um, you know, I started the company 21 years ago and I was the right person to take the company from day one to year 21. But, uh, this is the biggest company I've ever worked for. Mm -hmm. Um, so what do I know about, um, kind of organizational structure and, you know, uh, building career paths for uh, the employees, and um, so Jeff Larson, uh, who was um, came from uh, Subway, he was very high up in the marketing department in, in Subway corporate, uh, and then was the CMO at uh, Stu Leonard's. Um, and we're lucky enough to have brought him on board, and um, he's really uh, I kind of think of him as kind of a a smarter, better version of me, hmm. which, you know, kind of, we want that kind of same culture to continue, but we want to continue to raise our game. How'd you figure that out? Um, you know, one of our, <clears throat> one of our, uh, culture, uh, tenants is that, uh, we try to leave our egos at the door and, uh, having an understanding that we all have strengths and we all have areas where, uh, I won't call them weaknesses, but we're not as strong. And, uh, so, um, it's really, all we want to do is, uh, we exist for three reasons at Media Associates. We exist to take care of our clients and to help them grow. Uh, we exist, 
to give opportunity to our employees so that they can build nice lives for themselves. Uh, and then we exist to parlay any of our success into taking care of others that are less fortunate. We can talk more about that. Mm -hmm. But um, so our primary mission is to help our clients. And uh, so whatever we need to do to do the best possible job to help our clients, even if it means me kind of getting out of the way of bringing someone who's who's better than it than I am, uh, we're going to do that. Did you learn that at Westcon or afterwards? Uh, I think, yeah, I think humility is something that uh, I definitely learned at Westcon. Um, and I think it's just something that, uh, you know, you just kind of keep relearning throughout your life. Mm. There must have been some point, though, where you were sitting uh, or doing something and saying, uh, came to the conclusion that this was the right moment to bring in a president, kind of give up some of that control that you've had for 21 years, right? I mean, this is your baby. You know, I've, I've uh, <clears throat> kind of sensed that the company was getting a little bigger than what my kind of base skill set is, um, but I really didn't know what to do about it. And um, I wasn't looking to hire a president. I just happened to meet Jeff at a, a meeting where he was a guest. And uh, I just kind of liked what he had to say. I liked the way he kind of uh, managed himself. Um, and, you know, thought, hmm, this guy might, you know, he might be a good person to come in. And uh, like it dawned on me when I met him. It really wasn't something I was pursuing. Um, so we got together and, uh, you know, we had breakfast and just got to know each other a little more and then got together with, uh, with Tracy and, and his wife and, um, and, you know, started talking about it as a possibility. And uh, thankfully he came on board and he's, he's really, uh, what, what, I'm just kind of watching what he's doing and, what he's doing is, I say, wow, I guess that's what I should have been doing all along. <laughs> he's terrific. <clears throat> that's great. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do now? You've got a president. You just kind of walk through and drink coffee. And <laughs> <laughs> I just bug everybody now. No, no, no. I believe I'm, I'm uh, you know, still very much involved. Like I said, we have, we have three reasons we exist. Um, uh, help our clients grow. Uh, to take good care of our employees and to um, one of our cultural tenants is uh, that um, any success that we have gives us the opportunity and the responsibility to take care of others that are less fortunate. Um, and uh, so that's, that's uh, this, the, the company and any success that we've been able to achieve is a gift. And um, so we're trying to use that gift in a way that's uh, just responsible. Um, so we, uh, Tracy and I, um, we were in Myanmar and we were walking around a village with a guide and they, they had nothing in this village. And, um, <clears throat> but they had a school, a pretty nice school. And I asked the guide, I said, well, you know, how is it that they have such a nice school and they, they don't have electricity, they don't have running water, they have nothing else. And um, 
he said that uh, a French corporation had donated the money for the school. And I thought, wow, how cool would it be if, you know, Media Associates as an organization were to kind of adopt a village somewhere in the world and have a kind of a long-term commitment to uh, helping these people who, you know, just uh, Warren Buffett says that we, you know, you, Paul, me, we all won the ovarian lottery. So, you know, we were born to, you know, in the United States and had the opportunity to go to Westcon or wherever we all went to school. And uh, But these people, we could have been born anywhere. And these people were born in a situation that they don't have that opportunity. So um, we both kind of fell in love with the idea. And um, so we uh, connected with an organization called uh, World Vision. And uh, we chose Honduras because it's not on the other side of the earth. Um, and there's great need there um, and the potential to make an impact. Um, so what we're doing is we're, uh, it's, it's, it is that third prong of why we exist as a company. And um, so we've made a, a three-year financial commitment to a community in Honduras called uh, Pueblo Viejo. Um, and the, uh, here is it's, it's a community of 250 people on top of a mountain and here they have no running water uh, they do have electricity uh, it's it's pretty sad the way they live and we're uh, over the next three years uh, we'll be installing not we but through world vision they'll be installing they have what they call the wash program so they'll be installing a pretty sophisticated water system uh, so all 250 people in the community will now have water either in their house or within a 10-minute round-trip walking distance, so clean, potable water. Um, and, uh, and then the relationship will... Uh, oh, they also teach them about sanitation health. So it's water, washes, water, and sanitation health. Mm. And the impact that, uh, that they themselves have on the watershed, you can't just defecate anywhere. You can't throw your garbage anywhere because it comes back and it, you know, uh, impacts the watershed. Um, and then uh, after the first three years, uh, when the system is up and running, then they get into what they call the thrive phase. And the whole purpose of uh, World Vision, or their part of their their whole vision, is to um, help people achieve a higher level of economic independence. So. Um, you know, with the water system in place, uh, they'll, they won't have to spend, you know, half their lives just collecting water. Uh, they, uh, the system will also help them with irrigation. So then they get into um, teaching them about um, crop diversity and crop yield uh, and opening up different markets. Um, so it's a pretty impressive program. Uh, that has incredible long-term success. Uh, they really kind of, uh, they lock arms with them for a long period of time. When we were in Honduras, we saw a community that they've been working with for 15 years. And then we saw Pueblo Viejo, what they call a baseline community. And uh, so we can see what can be done and we saw what needed to be done. Um, and we're sending uh, six employees every year down to the community. Um, so that they can participate in uh, 
what we as a company are doing to help these people. And I'm just really, really excited about that as kind of the, uh, the evolution of our mission as a company. Um, so spending a fair amount of time, you know, doing that now. That's fantastic. I mean, it's hard to imagine not having water, clean water. It's, it's, it's heart wrenching. And, uh, the, the kids in the Pueblo Viejo community were just unhealthy. They were coughing, their eyes were deep set, uh, versus the kids in the, uh, the community where they've got the running water and, um, they're just, they're healthier, they're clean, you know, their clothes were dirty in Pueblo Viejo. Um, so it's, it's pretty exciting that, uh, you know, this company in Sandy Hook, Connecticut, uh, has the opportunity to make an impact, uh, somewhere else in the world. Right. Change lives and make them better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, uh, have you always had this vision or have you, were you selfish earlier in your life or what? I was, uh, surviving early in my life. You know, I have four kids and, uh, so for, you know, really the first 10 years of the business, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was hoping we were going to make it, but you just never know. And, uh, so, um, you know, but now all my kids are out of school. They're all out of college. They're all on their own. And, um, so, and the company, uh, knock on wood is, is doing pretty well. And so, um, it's this, this kind of vision to be responsible and to take advantage of the opportunity that we have is, uh, it's really starting to kind of take root now. Mm-hmm. Becoming an entrepreneur like that uh, is takes a certain amount of courage. As you say, you don't really know if you're going to succeed. You kind of jump off the cliff and um, have, must have some confidence in yourself and uh, willing to see what happens. Uh, yep, I guess. You know, do you get, I was thinking, consider the worst case scenario, and if you can live with that, then go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, the worst case was that this didn't work out, I'd go get a job. Right. And um, thankfully, it, it kind of worked out. Mm-hmm. And I uh, will just mention that you also are supportive of WestCon students are still here. You have some scholarships that help students. And um, that is um, uh, you know, very generous. And um, uh, I think you were looking out for students who were like you. Yeah, I got a, a scholarship in my senior year, um, and I know how much that helped. And I know a lot of the students here, if not the majority of the students here, will you know they work while they go to school. And uh, if you can take a little pressure off of them with something like that, then um, then it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It is a good thing. So, and you've also become a pilot, haven't you? I've been a pilot since I was uh, 15. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we had a guy on here who is in the Air Force and who flies U-2s. Really? Yeah, and he was flying since he was 15, too. Wow. Hmm. Um, I didn't get my license until I graduated college, uh, and then I took 20. 20, 25 years off to, you know, raise kids and, uh, didn't fly at all. 
and then my last kid got out of college and I said, oh, I just got a raise. So I uh, got back into it again and yeah, it's a real passion of mine. Have you ever crashed? No. <laughs> and I hope never to. Yeah, I know. Nope. <laughs> I had some hard landings. It maybe qualify as a crash, but everybody no. walked out though. Yeah. So what do you think would have happened if you hadn't been fired from your sales job? Uh, good question. Um, I don't know. I, um, I think I probably would have ended up doing something on my own at some point, but you know, sometimes you need that push. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a little too scary. I think if you do it and say, all right, I'm going to give up my, you know, X income for the complete unknown and I have four kids and so maybe I, maybe I wouldn't have done it. It's uh, better to be fired. You're right. And it, not cause you don't have as many choices. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, um, you're not going to go and be on Tracy's podcast now, are you? I, I will if she wants me to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Absolutely. <laughs> then that'll compete with our podcast. Oh right? yeah. Well, I'd rather live with, with that thought than telling her no. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you anyway for being uh, with us today. It was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was terrific. Well, thank you for doing this and for everything that you do for Westcon. Uh, just getting the word out and, you know, just letting people know what a, an incredible institution this is and, and, you know, what a gift it is to, uh, you know, to its students now and former students. Thank you, Scott. Yep. Thank you, Paul. Now, Barbara Viegas will give you the rundown of upcoming events on campus. How's it going, Barbara? Good, Paul. How about you? I'm good. Um, so we don't have too much because the semester is ending, but we do have a few things. Um, Alpha Delta Pi is presenting bingo night with snacks and prizes on December 5th, and it starts at 8.30 p.m. It's $2 a game or $10 per six games, and the location is Midtown Student Center, room 201. The prizes include a GoPro raffle and um, themed gift baskets. So, and all proceeds will be going to Ronald McDonald's House Charities and the Alpha Delta Pi Foundation. That's nice. Does anyone wear Go, use GoPro anymore? I haven't seen any around for a while. I mean, if you have an awesome life, yes. <laughs> it's kind of hard when you're a college student, just like, oh, I'm going to wear a GoPro to class. Like, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I have a GoPro. Oh, you do? But I took it with me when I went to Coachella. It's not really great for, like, filming, um, like, concerts and stuff, especially when you're kind of far away. It's just not great. You went to Coachella, though? Yes, I did. That's kind of cool. Yeah. We should interview you on the podcast about that someday. <laughs> I mean, it was really, really fun, and I would totally do it again. But last, um, the last lineup, like Beyonce left, so oh. kind of just ruined it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, all right, and then there's also um, the Winter Wonderland that PAC is doing. It's a day of food, giveaways, music, and fun. It's on Wednesday, December 6th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. in the Midtown Student Center lobby. Um, it's really fun. Hmm. Is and, that for anyone? Uh, I can yeah. go there? Yeah, I'm sure everyone. It's food, giveaways, and music. Cool. So <laughs> I'm sure you can go. And fun. Yeah, and fun. <laughs> um, and then on the following day, on December 7th, uh, the SGA is hosting another spot, uh, which should be really fun. Yeah, Again, that's good. Featuring DJ Rush. 
Um, it starts at 12 a.m. Um, and it's free admission and free food. Last time we got pizza um, and the Sodexo gives uh, food as well, or we buy food from Sodexo. Um, I'm not sure about the pizza this time, but hopefully um, it was a really good pizza last time. I think we got Papa John's, so right. <laughs> really good. It's in the Colonial Corner on the Midtown Campus, December 7th. It starts at 12, ends at 3 a.m. Um, also, I forgot, uh, December 8th, the following day after that, is the Western Wiz. It's Test Your Knowledge and Win Prizes. It's presented by PAC again, and it's Friday, December 8th, 6 p.m. in the West Side Ballroom. It's free for students with an ID. Maybe they should come up with a better name, though. The Western Wiz. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, and then Midnight Breakfast by, um, is happening on December 7th, 11th. Sorry, Monday, December 11th, 11.30 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. Um, it's to take a break from studying, to come and relax and enjoy free breakfast. It's sponsored by the Campus and Student Centers Board. So it's really fun. It's That's midtown. at midnight, right? Yes, 11.30 to 12.30. Mm. Midtown Student Center restaurant. Have you ever done that? Gone to midnight breakfast? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't actually. I'm not usually around during that time because I'm a commuter, hmm. but I might come back for free breakfast. Yeah, for free food. <laughs> what the heck? It's being served by staff and faculty too. Mm-hmm. So should be pretty cool. Um, and the last thing I have is um, just kind of business-like uh, for SGA. I sent out an email to all presidents and vice presidents of um, clubs and stuff on campus. And I'm just reminding everyone um, to email me back <laughs> because um, next semester um, my budget will be funding um, Western Wednesday tables for any club that wants to sign up for it. So I sent out an email with a doodle for them to sign up on like any week that they want. And basically um, if they sign up with their club, I can, I'm going to order like three dozen cookies and I'm gonna, it's going to say their club name on it and then they can give them out um, on Western Wednesday and just publicize their club. So if they... Um, if they just email me back and they sign up for the doodle, it closes on December 15th at 11.59. That's a great idea. Is that something you came up with? Uh, actually, no. Um, it's something that, um, I don't even know who came up with it, but I know that Izzy did it last for the oh, past did. two years. Hmm. Yeah. And did clubs then take advantage of it? Yeah, people did it a lot. So every, there's always a club there. But uh, for the past semester, we used the table for Tiesto publici- publicity. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of hard to get clubs in there, but the debate team did... Um, did one that the last Western Wednesday table but for next semester we wanted to get more people to sign up and there there's been a few people but I feel like clubs need to take advantage of it because it's free publicity like I reserve I reserve the table and the chairs and the cookies are ready for you all you have to do is just give me your club name and what week you want to come every time I email the club president or something that I find online they never email me back could you do something about that (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) take care of it (laughs) You're in charge of student relations for yeah. SGA. <laughs> Sound like a threatening email. <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Strongly worded letter. Yeah. Um, and then second, um, Spring Clubs Carnival. Fall Clubs Carnival went really well. It was outside, there was music and everything, and Spring Clubs Carnival is going to be like a kind of toned down version of that, more focused on like the content, what clubs want to bring. Um, and that's going to be on January 24th from 3 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. It's a Wednesday, and it's going to be hosted in the Westside Student Center Ballroom. Um, and everyone has to email me back if they want, or even if you don't find the email, email me at relations at wcsu.edu to sign up for a table, because if you don't, you're not going to take advantage of that, and people are going to be going, looking at tables, and your club isn't going to be a part of it. And again, the last day to respond is December 15th at 11.59. All right, and after that, that, it's going to be closed, mm-hmm. and I won't take any other people. Really? Even yeah. if you're going to take a hard line on that? I don't know. 
know, maybe. Because <laughs> I'm going to have to plan everything over break. And yeah. if people are emailing me, emailing me like really close to the deadline, I'm going to have to do a lot more work because of it. So, right. you know, let's be fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, none of that. Um, yeah, that was about it. There's not too much, but next semester there's a lot of fun things coming up like Westfest. Um, and PAC always puts out their new schedule and everything again. So it should be really fun. Yeah. So for the next month, you're not going to be available for the podcast to do the uh, event listings, right? No, I'll be winter break. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know, did you go to the chocolate lounge uh, when they were having that last week or two weeks ago? I didn't, but I had some friends that went and they said it, they liked it. They liked it. Yeah. I wanted to hear about that. How about the Newman Club? They had a dinner with uh, that featured uh, macaroni and cheese pizza. Did you go to that? Yeah, I actually did. It wasn't that bad. Um, it was it was good. Huh. Um, but they also had uh, the women's night, which is um, um, they had ribs for women's night, and so only women could go. Really? And I had a lot of senators like in the <laughs> office, so angry that ever. Can you go get it for me? Like, can you just please bring some back? I'm like, no, no I'm gonna enjoy my bad. ribs. Yeah. <laughs> but they'll have a male night, like a. Um, next semester they couldn't fit it in the semester so girls got lucky i think it's okay to have a women's night but i'm not sure about all male night is that allowed (laughs) Uh, i don't think so i don't know but (laughs) you might have a protest yeah the senators were ready to protest last week so last week as all our listeners know you uh, were ill and couldn't uh, participate or as pete puccio our producer said you were sick in air quotes are you feeling better? Yeah, yeah. I just had a bad like stomach bug, and I wasn't feeling good. Mm, thank you for not coming in. I didn't want to. Yeah, I really didn't want to pass it on to anybody. But yeah, Oh, I'm I feel usually... terrible. I thought you were just avoiding a test or something. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> My most sincere apologies, Barbara. No, it's all good. <laughs> I didn't have any tests that day. Um, but, yeah. And so uh, you're done with classes now, or you still have something next week? Um, I have week? one... I have one final next week, mm-hmm. so I have to come in for that. But um, today I have a final a final exam that's broken up into two parts. So one, like the written exam today, the multiple choice on Thursday. And then today I just did a project. So that's why I have a box here. Mm. It's my project for psychology of sex. Um, and that was really fun. I made like a box for each ex-boyfriend I've had and then described it and everything. It was pretty interesting. <laughs> Very uh, introspective, but... Uh, what's in the box? Uh, okay, so it's Are like, you allowed to talk about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I can okay. talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I can talk about it. Um, so each box is like a different boyfriend and like what I learned from that person and stuff and like small things here and there. Like my current boyfriend, he was really into Star Wars, so that kind of changed a little bit because I had never seen Star Wars till I met him. Wow. And so uh, we've been dating for like a year and a half now, so I'm pretty into Star Wars now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just, it was pretty cool. Like I used to write poetry when I was younger too, so I brought in some poetry from when I was like 15 and like read that to them because I was like my first boyfriend or whatever. So it was really fun. It was really introspective, like me making the boxes. Mm-hmm. Very fun. I would recommend the class to anybody. It's an honors class, but you can get overrides sometimes, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, very, very cool. That is cool. What are you taking next semester? Um, marriage and family with the mm. same teacher, Reynolds. She's really great. And um, it's kind of more into like marriage and family, obviously, like relationships and that kind of thing. And I think that'll be really interesting. A lot, a lot of her, obviously, like her content is like psychology and psychology of sex and marriage and all of that it's like very it's really easy to bring that to your own life mm-hmm. and so i've learned like so much in that class just um more than just you know sex and stuff like that <laughs> good we talk, yeah it's really cool just everybody like, should take a marriage and psychology marriage and family class yeah. right 
you learn things that you don't even like think about like infertility how that affects your relationship or like mm. how you can deal with like cheating or cheating spouse or something how to like better your marriage like things that you should watch out for if like like if you see these like symptoms or whatever like these things mm. in your marriage or something that you should watch out and like fix it so it's really cool like i wouldn't have known a right. lot of it if i had just taken like a yeah, that's good. So you learn things academically and also about how to um, live life, too. Yeah, you, you learn about some like weird fetishes, too. <laughs> so it's really, it's, you're never bored in that class. It's very, very fun. I guess not. You're gonna, that's a good ad. You're going to fill it up for next semester. Oh, my God. It filled up in five seconds last semester. <laughs> and then this semester, I think it was three seconds. So Is the marriage and family class an honors class, too? Yeah, yeah. Um, she teaches, she's an adjunct professor, professor hmm. but she teaches, um, I think, two classes outside of honors, and there's psychology classes, too. I was going to, I think it's uh, psychology of the, of, like, gender, or, like, a male, or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's really, I, I wanted to take that, too, but I couldn't, because I didn't, um, it was the wrong time. <laughs> Do you have a psychology major? No, actually, I should probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, minor at least. I have a JLA minor. That's major. what I meant. A which? Yeah, yeah. JLA. Major. I have a communications minor. Oh, so, you do? Yeah, I took intro to film. Hey, that's perfect for <laughs> podcasts. Then. Yeah, um, yeah, with um, Guy Parada. Uh huh. Intro to film. So yeah, that's almost done too. All right, so you're gonna be back next semester with us, right? Yes, definitely. All right, good. Thanks, Barbara. Thank you, Paul. Have a good holiday too. You too. Thanks. I want to thank our producers, Scott Volpe and Pete Puccio, who have devoted their lives to making all the WestCon podcasts possible. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe at WCSU Media on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher so you can stay up to date with all editions of WCSU 411. Please leave a comment there or on Twitter at WCSU 411. Barbara wants to hear from you. No, really, she does. 